time to settle in for another episode of Deep in the Horror of Texas with your hosts, Aaron, Jeff, and Nathan. You gotta be fucking kidding. Oh, hey, you okay? Oh, damn, Antimata. Oh, you gonna be all right? I'm feeling rosy air. Oh, what's in the box? It's black as time. What's in the fucking box? Anything! Welcome to a new episode of Deep in the Heart of Texas. This is Jeff. This is Aaron. Nathan's back. Woo! All right, I'm and he back. Brought, and he brought some Brondo too. Hell yeah! Oh, it's got some electrolytes. That's what right. crave. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and gals, all four of you, gather around the fire because <laughs> we are about to go deep in the heart of Texas with this episode, fresh off the boat. There you go. Um, <laughs> here we go with the. Uh, we're going to be covering the thing. Yes, the famous John. It's Clobber in time. Woo! Not that one. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, wrong thing. All right, we're going to go That's into what John. She said. <laughs> oh, man, all three of them. <laughs> Where's Christina? Whoa. <laughs> all right, so we're going to go balls deep into the John Carpenter all dwarf classic fucking film, The Thing. 1982. Oh, man, what a classic film it is. And let me just say, I am glad to be back, man. I heard you guys' last episodes. You did really good without me. I was almost worried I was out of a job. I would almost think you were right. Damn it. Ralph kept it sweaty. Yeah, he did. He kept it sweaty. He did. <laughs> oh, God. You guys Mom's have to slip and slide. <laughs> um, I have very fond memories of this film. This is one of the quintessential uh, horror films I think anybody really comes upon in their life um it's a very great mixture of isolation sci-fi and horror and not just any kind of horror this had some of the most extreme practical effects that i think has ever uh been recorded on film mind-blowing man yeah i mean you put exorcist up there as a great horror film i would i would still trump it with a thing because i think it all around had a great storyline um for me, it was originality because I didn't really know of the short mm-hmm. story or the original. <clears throat> so yeah, it's based on the short story. Who goes there? Yeah, I was unaware of the uh, the stuff. It's, so it's like one page. Yeah, it's very. Yeah, but even the original, where it was like you know, like army versus science and stuff like that. What the uh, Howard Hawk one? Yeah, Hawks one. Yeah, yeah the Howard Hawks. Uh, Nineteen fifty one thing from another world. But when I watched this, it was like obviously VHS days, and I watched it, and I sat down, and I was just like, "Wow!" What age were you? Six, seven. When you Jesus first saw it? Christ! That yeah. was young, damn. Yeah, dude. I, I saw it in pretty much clamshell days. I actually remember the Warner Brothers clamshells, like literally that picture that's behind y'all. Oh yeah. And it was just very small within a Warner Brothers clamshell with a gold and black, and uh, we had rented it, and my dad it on and yeah it was just from beginning to end i was just like what the fuck am i watching where did wow. you come in on this aaron when did you see this uh i had just moved out i was 18 years old just moved out and i had basic cable and i just got home from work and 
I turned it on and it was just starting on Gable. Gotcha. Credits sure. were rolling. I'm like, I've heard good things about this. I saw, I remember seeing the DVD cover, like the face in the ice, like at, at work. I'm like, I want to check this out because I might want to buy it. I'm, let, me, let me see how it is. And then watched it and I was just blown away. I was, it's everything. Sweet. It's like, it's like one of those moments where you're like, this is a perfect movie. Gotcha. And so that's my first experience was 2 a.m. in the morning, basic cable, watching this movie. Sweet. Nate? Oh, uh, shit. I saw this. Uh, I rented it from Hastings when I was 13, 12 or 13. Um, at that time, Halloween was my favorite movie. I mean, fuck, that's, it was the first one I ever watched. I was five. I watched all the Fridays. And then I caught this when I was like 13. And uh, I liked it. But it wasn't until I was like 18 and rewatched it and understood what was going on a little yeah. better that yeah. this movie just skyrocketed for me, man. It was fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, pretty young age. I watch it at least three times a year. I mean, this is this is like my go-to movie. Like whenever I'm pissed off or just wanting to chill, I usually will put this on. I, as I grew up, uh, it was kind of like my go-to VHS to like go to sleep to. Mm -hmm. Really? It yeah. was the soundtrack. Okay. Yeah. For million reasons, <clears throat> I wish I could come up with it was it was really the music Inizio Marconi the music was such a droney tone dum, dum. I was just dum, dum. you could go to sleep and Kurt mm -hmm. Russell's just, every, I mean there really isn't too Kurt much, Russell caress you to sleep there really, really wasn't too much loudness yeah so <laughs> Kurt Russell just kind of like we gotta find out what this is blah 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 I was like yeah I was like man it would just put me to sleep I keep laughing every time I he like in the first few minutes, a, a helicopter kind of flies in, and, and they're like, "What does it say on there? It says Norge or something." And Kurt Russell keeps going, "Hey, Swedes! They're Norwegian, Mac. Yeah, <laughs> they're Norwegian, Mac. <laughs> I love that. I do too. He shows up to the Burns. Yeah, he calls yeah. him like three times. Like, hey, Swedes. <laughs> Doc was awesome too. Honestly. Yeah, this whole, all the characters in this movie: Charles Hallahan, Joel. I think his name's Joel Fuchs. Um, uh, Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley, Keith David. I mean, <laughs> dude. It's all around great cast. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing an amazing cast. cast. It's an amazing cast. What I loved is uh, when I was, <clears throat> what I recall, the reason I can recall it at such a young age is I always remembered like Kurt Russell wearing the uh, kind of Swambaro, Swambaro <laughs> like hat. But it was the idea that he always chilled out in his uh, clubhouse. He had like a really cool clubhouse. With J.B. Scotch. And it was like mm -hmm. awesome. He was just like chilling up there and then playing like, chess. When he sees the uh cheating bitch. <laughs> he sees a helicopter coming up, he like climbs down to go check it out and all of a sudden I was just like, wow, that must be like a cool job. He's just getting drunk throughout the whole he's the helicopter. He's not the scientist. He's he's there for transportation purposes. And that was it. And yeah. he just gets shit faced. Laid back job. I mean, yeah. there's one other helicopter pilot, uh Fuck, what's his name? The dude with the curly hair. Oh, he's smoking weed. Oh, yeah. He's like, hey, no problem, Doc. I'll give you a lift. Yeah. Hell no. <laughs> the dim best guy. Yeah. yeah. The, the guy who looks like you survived Nom. Childs. Yeah. Childs. Childs. Charity of the gods, man. They taught the Incas everything they know. <laughs> he roasts a big bowl. <laughs> that guy's awesome. He's great. And they're smoking a joint and like reloading like another like family feud episode or something mm -hmm. like that. Some game show or yeah, something. Yeah, he rolls a huge spliff. And Keith David's like, uh huh. <laughs> if you if you listen, if you've never seen this movie at the beginning of our our episode during our theme, uh, 
the whole you gotta be fucking kidding that's from this movie oh yeah fucking classic man i love this it is the classic man Uh, Um, it's crazy to think that this film was actually shot in stewart british columbia uh, the research station, you know, the outdoor shit was built by the film crew in the summer. That way they could film in the sub-freezing winter and have that glacier effect and all that. Shit. Which it's is beautiful. Hell, it's yeah. gorgeous. It's gorgeous, yeah. man. And I know you speak to a great length of uh, Dean Cundy's work in Halloween oh. and stuff, which oh. we both, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I think all of us, we appreciate his work in this film. I mean, he did the yeah. four fourplex with John. He did Halloween, The Fog, Escape from New York, and this. And fuck, yeah, just beauty, it's beautiful. I mean, the icy blue that they pull off in the scenes is just fucking gorgeous. No, that scene where the helicopters just riding up and they're taking the the Norwegians are taking just shots at the uh, the dog, dog. Yeah. the dog. It's just like it's beautiful. Yeah, and the way the music plays to everything is just like so foreboding that you don't know what's coming, but you know it is like something. I mean, that's why I love it. I love, I appreciate the music cues because even when the dogs like introduced into the shelter and after they gun down the Norwegians, you have that scene where it's like the dogs underneath the pool table and you're like, doom, doom, mm-hmm. doom, doom. I was like, oh, dude. No, no, no. I, I mean, hate- these Norwegians pull up like a bat out of hell to an American site. They don't oh, speak yeah. English and they fucking guy tries to throw a grenade at the dog and it blows up the helicopter and himself. Yeah. And the other dude's just walking up fucking blasted rounds, man. So, yeah. yeah, they put his ass down with the old pop gun, as oh yeah, as homie says. I love how he breaks the glass and, like, sticks his revolver out there. Pop, pop, pop. I like how he does the death twitch. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting in the snow. <laughs> yeah. Fucking fatality. I love it. Twitch chasm. Yeah. The, the, I mean, this dog is amazing um he's digging through the snow like trying to get to just how it acts like how it walks around the room how it interacts with the other dogs i think the dog's name was like job or something i I love the 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 kind of uh shepherd to the dogs and stuff how that one guy kind of like took him like he brings in like wild dogs yeah like find dogs in the wild and bring them in takes care of them yeah you know, he specifically asked uh John Carpenter to do that role, Richard Mazur. He's from It. He's the guy oh, yeah, that's yeah, his yeah, wrist in right, the bathtub. Yeah, yeah. Uh he specifically asked John Carpenter to do the dog trainer role. He's like, That that part is so intriguing to me. And Carpenter's like, What why? Like you you don't do anything. He's like, That's he's dissociated from the people and he interacts more with the dogs. Yeah. He's already doesn't trust anybody. He trusts his animal instincts more, more than anything. And it's like, fuck, that's cool as shit. He like yeah. he's like the male version of a cat lady. But, yeah. Much, yeah. <laughs> but like, but, but with dogs, yeah. bring dogs. out the laser pointer, the dog man. He's the dog man. But yeah, uh, fucking, what's his name in that? I can't remember. Oh, it's Clark. Who's the roller skate guy? The roller skate guy. That's fucking. Uh, uh, oh shit, I can't remember. Yeah, because I remember he does all Nulls. those. Nulls. Nulls. Yeah, because he's doing Carter. all the fucking. He's like the cook. Yeah, mm-hmm. he always makes me laugh. Which man, one of you dirty motherfuckers is leaving your dirty drawers in my kitchen? He had the shiniest thumb <laughs> when, he <gets laughs> sli- when he gets sliced. That's, what, that's the only thing I remember. Yeah. Nulls. He's like, he used to get that face like, mm, oh, damn. I was yeah. like, damn. He sliced the fuck out of his thumb. And like, Jed is the dog's name. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. But uh, this dog, Jed, was actually three quarters wolf. Uh, the trainer, the owner of the dog, who's also the trainer, uh, 
told fucking Richard Mazar, look, if this dog stares and puts its tail down, be nervous. Just back away slowly. Because it didn't get fully broken, gotcha. domesticated. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So it still had those animal instincts, but it was smart as shit. Like, uh, the guy who plays Clark, Richard Marzar, he was fucking amazed at this dog. Like, you know, like, there's this one scene where, you know, uh, when when the helicopter people fly in, uh, one of the guy accidentally gets shot in the leg, and they're all sitting in, I guess, the rec room, you know, where yeah. the televisions and games are at. And fucking this dog literally, as everybody's just doing their own thing, this wolf dog is just walking in and out of everybody's legs, walking around, just scouting the place. Oh, dude, it's got yeah. the whole fucking sight. That's what's beautiful, awesome, dude. Yeah. Well, wolves do that. Yeah. They're they're very, very smart creatures. The the scenes where like it first gets pin, put in the pin and it kind of gives that like looking around, like walks in like two that steps perfect. and lays yeah, down. Yeah. Cause I mean, for it being the first alien or the thing introduced into this camp. Well, even it when the dog the is perfectly. like in the cage, the other animals are the, the reaction to them. They're cowering from like, it. Like yeah, they know something's up, and he's just standing there like, "I'm king of the cage now," yeah. and they're kind of cowering around him. But just that scene, even though they're animals, it was just well a well done scene to set yeah. up, you know, the movie. Yeah, he they they knew it didn't smell right in Denmark. <laughs> they're Norwegian. <laughs> what I love is that um, damn Irish people. They originally like. Right off the bat, they realize what camp they're from, all that stuff, and then Kurt Russell and Doc go set off to go see what the fuck's going on at their camp. And you get some of the most beautiful imagery because you see the burnt down camp. Mm-hmm. You see yeah. all the chaos. What ha- like it's a crime scene, man. Yeah, you see all the shit that's like like a premise, you know, like a, like oh, this is the things to come kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, funny thing about that, you know that the burnt down site is actually their site that they blow up in the end. Oh, really? Yeah, they filmed that Neat. during so the they day after, last. The, after the fire. Oh, okay. I, yeah. No, I didn't know that. I found that out like today. three hours later. Yeah, <laughs> today. <laughs> I just remembered like that scene when they're when they're visiting the campsite, the burnt campsite. They come across that corpse with the the melded head, the two oh, heads melded. So bad. Just seeing that for the first when I first when I first saw that I just thought that was amazing. I thought that was just a great like just prop that that was created for that scene because that not only does it have mystery and it has you know a foreboding of things to come, but it just it there's so many more questions to ask that makes it great. It was mystery. Cool. It wasn't even like I like the melted face, but what was even crazier is like when he hits the fire axe door, yes. and he pushes it open. You see the guy that actually has like the frozen blood, blood from yeah. like killing himself, and I was like, "What would drive a person like kill himself and like literally freeze to death in that state?" Because like the blood is still frozen coming off of his veins and stuff from his arm and his mm-hmm. wrist, where he slid his he slid his wrist open and slid his throat, throat fucking open just to like make sure <laughs> like shit wasn't gonna get him. Yeah. And I was like, "Wow!" Yeah, what? and Mac, who's played by Kurt Russell and Doc, uh, fucking co- copper. Uh, they're just walking around like, what the fuck happened here, man? Yeah. And they find, like Aaron said, these two melted bodies, and they're like, we we have to take this back with us. Yeah. And, whew. dude, the fucking star of this movie is Rob Bottin, man. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. Like, he pulled so many special effects and creature effects. He was so overloaded uh, that he actually had to 
uh, ask his one of his friends, Stan Winston, to take some of the load. And the thing that Stan Winston does was the the dog scene that we're coming up on. Okay. The ice cube led a great mystery. Yeah. Seeing yes. that because you see like there was an ice cube and something came out from in, inside of it. But it wasn't until later that you actually get the um, actual like black and white original Hawks reveal, which is uh, them walking up the 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 snow and they actually see the full fucking yeah, reveal. The matting is done by the dude who did the birds, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, really? For Alfred Hitchcock. He's a real old dude. I, I fucking should have wrote his name down. I love that shot because it exists in the black and white one. And that is probably like one of the main reasons I would say watch the black and white version because of that one shot they pull off of like the spacecraft reveal mm-hmm. or the idea of a spacecraft yeah. being right there. That was just, it's beautiful. Yeah. Cause it's like, what the fuck do you do? I know my ass, it wouldn't have been going back to camp to tell the other guys. It would have been like, get the fuck. Home. Right. <laughs> Fucking out of here, dude. And I was like, fuck doc. If you want, I, I can throw you out over the vicinity, but I'm going far and away. Found a spacecraft and those Swedes blew it up. They're Norwegians, Mac. (laughs) 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 Fucking awesome. Yeah, man. Like, uh, yeah, the matting was done by the dude who did Alfred Hitchcock films. I mean, he was like world Mm -hmm. famous for matting. And he was like, I'd be more than happy to do this for pretty cheap from what I remember. Because, I mean, this was made on like a $14 million budget. And you wouldn't think that. No. There is... Fuck, I cannot remember how many effects they said, but there's some like almost a thousand effects, creature effects in no. this movie. What I was amazed to learn is that the introduction, that beautiful title, title reveal. Yeah. That was literally yeah. trash bag. A trash bag. Mm-hmm. That trash bag being lit on fire behind the title sequence. And I was, I was like, really? Wow, simple yeah. effect. That's how they get that burning away. Yeah, like, yeah, the, oh. That was neat. Because you see, Crazy. The, cheap but effective. Yeah. You see the spacecraft land. And then it does that reveal of the yeah. thing. And it was literally like somebody got... And it was just melting away. Huh. Yeah. Cool as shit. Awesome man. effect. Dude, they do so much in this movie that's just fucking oh, amazing. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know, man. Let's go to the dog cage scene. Because these are... We'll, we'll talk like four really important scenes. For me, <laughs> when the dog starts doing this thing, and it's just a great visual effect, the main thing I take out... Take away from it is that last scene where you actually see like alien huge hand arm punch through the ceiling, rip down fucking boards and like pull its weird self, self up. up. Yeah. It was like the idea of what it could become. It's just giant fucking enormous. And its skin colors like when you put oil and water together, you get that purple and all these fucking different colors. But cool. there's so many things that happened before that it's just like mind blowing. But that's the one thing I take away from the dog scene. That's just like wow, dude. The one thing that always gets me in the dog scene is when fucking the dog turns towards the camera and its face just flays open. Man, fucking oh, that, fuck? that was amazing. Because it's like a almost like a sunflower thing like, yeah. comes out of it yeah. and like thunderclaps. Oh no, I'm talking face. when the skin rips off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and then the uh, the sunflower thing is actually dog tongues with teeth. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what it is. It's fucking beautiful. <laughs> it's fucking... I mean, sorry. It's just insane. like... When you... When Rob Bottin and everybody's... Stan Winston's crew, everybody... When they got the idea to use alien anatomy with realistic anatomy and they melded them, it was just... 
Yeah. Art. I mean, when Rob Bottin met John Carpenter, he, John Carpenter mentioned to him, he they actually met on the set of The Fog. And they only met because Rob Bottin knew Dean Cundy pretty well. Oh, and, wow. And he was like, you got to introduce me to John. Like, I'm, I'm a huge fan. And so when they met... Rob was kind of like poking fun, like, hey, you know, you're doing a ghost story, pirate ghost story. Hey, you, you, can I be one of them? And John was like, yeah, do the makeup yourself. And he was like, really? So that was his introduction to Carpenter. But when he, uh, John told him during the set of The, the Fog that, hey, I'm going to remake the thing, Rob was like, please, please let me do it. And he was like, you got the job. He's like, go figure out whatever you can. He actually sent Rob Bottin to meet Mike Plug. Uh, for storyboard art drawings. And Mike Plug was a comic book artist for Marvel Comics. He did like mm-hmm. Ghost Rider, Man Thing. He did and, a lot of the creepy supernatural stuff. And he did the animated pilot for Scooby-Doo. Sweet. Yeah, the original. Wow. So, um, you know, they fucking shuffled all this artwork across John Carpenter, like pasted it all over his walls. And John turned to him and he was like, you know how to do this shit? And he's going, no, <laughs> I'll figure it out. Fucking so, Like, dude, there's... It's mesmerizing. It's mesmerizing, like, these effects that are coming up. It's fucking insane. What's... Jumping forward. <laughs> One more thing. Stan Winston is did the, the puppet dog scene. That actually is just literally a hand puppet. Oh, wow. Yeah, when it's laying there, it goes... Yeah, it's screeches. like turning. And no, growling. my jumping head was just, like, what the effects are in the thing... Or go far beyond what CG has ever been able to do. There's a reason. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just far beyond. We'll have a comparison because we're going to talk about the new thing. Yeah, 2000. I just remember the dog scene, the, the the tendrils that shoot out of the dog. They shoot, they kill off the all the dogs and kind of shoot everywhere. Uh, wraps them up. Wraps them up. <laughs> very carnage like. You know, like as a comic book fan, right. you know, that's that's a carnage kind of tactic. But seeing it live, like in the live action movie. Very well done, very... Non-CG. Non-CG. Yeah, but even when I go back to that, it's very reverse. Well, it's reverse, yeah, but yeah, it's still but a great it, effect, though. Yeah. What was made, more to me was just what they were able to do with the creatures and create. Because, I mean, the tendrils and stuff was like very vines and stuff from Evil mm-hmm. Dead. So you've seen it done low budget. It was nice seeing it in a bigger budget and a bigger sci-fi uh, theme, but... Man, the uh, the effects they did with the dogs and stuff, they actually had them. There's nothing that welcomes that kind of special effect, story-wise. No, I mean, you got to figure, though, how else are you going to sh- do that scene? You know, with tendrils coming out and yeah. wrapping yeah, yeah, them Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, like... It's, uh, it's crazy, though. I mean, yeah, you can tell some shots are reverse, reverse. obviously. Yeah. But, uh... Fuck, there's just so much carnage. You don't even realize it. It's just like, whoa. I mean, it is fucking eye candy for fucking special effects artists mm-hmm. to try to figure out. I, I mean, I'm not a special effects guy, artist. You know, I don't know how to create that shit, but I look at this movie and I go, how the fuck do you do this? Yeah. Well, the thing with this scene is that when the tendrils fly out, usually if it's reversed, you'll see it kind of shift mm-hmm. and you'll know it's reversed. These are straight lines these are straight angles there was no shift there was no commotion of it you know missing the mark it was a straight perfect line and that's what kind of got me because it didn't look like it was reversed but you know it's reversed it looked no other way to do it yeah Yeah, there's no other way to do it It looked very alien 
So that's I was really impressed with that scene because of that. There yeah. was no shift. With Evil Dead, when they did the reverse, you could see the branches kind of shift left to right as it's doing the reverse track. With this one, it's just straight line. Yeah. So is this as the dogs are all getting consumed, this mm-hmm. thing's trying to overtake them and Clark hears the commotion of the dogs and he's like, What the fuck? And goes out there and all of a sudden he gets all the gang there like they're just sitting there watching this fucking thing waiting for the flamethrower yeah and uh get your ass over here burn it and fucking and, and the dog is like turning its head at them and like doing that that, 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 that moan that screech that growl oh man that scene is so fucking effective like when i was a kid i was like holy fuck what is this like yeah, you know, I'm, I was used to slashers like Jason, mm-hmm. Freddie, and Michael. Like I was like, okay, this is something new. Whoa, totally different, man. Yeah, this is more of the better horror films that I think I've ever seen because it was just like actually a horror film, mm-hmm. and some, it wasn't a some, slasher film or anything like that. Yeah, something we didn't mention is the horror in this movie is not boo scares; it is isolation, it is atmosphere, it is Paranoia. what you're seeing on the screen it's it's straight up paranoia yeah exactly. who do you trust who's taken who's not so they they burn the fucking thing out of there it escapes and they're just sitting there like uh and they have the melted bodies already so they start doing testing on it and they bring the dog corpses in there you know the part of it that they killed and cut off the skin and there's like fucking four gallbladders and three hearts. I mean, there's just so much going on. Yeah. And Wilford Brimley immediately is like, starts running tests and not talking to anybody. He's fucking paranoid as shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he uh, finds out that if this organism overtakes your cells and imitates it, and if this fucking thing was to hit land within less than a year, the entire world would be consumed. That is world threat stakes right there. That's not some babysitter or mm-hmm. some camp counselor. That is world apocalypse trilogy. You know? Yeah. Because that, yeah. that is autopsy scene was awesome. And then seeing Grimley like do all the fucking computer shit, computer shit back then, it was nice seeing him run the uh, time lapse schematics and all that shit to see uh, how things would progress. Should this thing hit landfall? Should this thing start hitting populated areas? Which, uh, I mean, as you see the dogs get taken down, and you originally start scratching your head, like, where the fuck did this go? Who who did this jump to? Was it the dog man who was really close to the fucking animals? Well, that's what everybody's going to presume. So how do we test this? How do we start weeding out the people that may be infected or people that are not infected. And it was neat because, I mean, you see Charles take it to the point where he's like, if I was a perfect imitation, how would you know? And that's what I thought was cool. And the doc started playing with the ideas of like doing the blood test and Mm -hmm. all that stuff, which leads to probably one of the most dramatic fucking scenes ever because it was neat how they outcasted Kurt Russell and he kind of had to backdoor his way in. To play like the ultimate protagonist, to kind of push, be pushed to, you know, I'm going to be pushed to the point to prove that I'm fucking human. Boy, there's like, there's a blood test before that though. They they were going to remember they they thought of it, and this yeah. is where all the paranoia, we don't trust each other, kind of thing happens. They they decide to do a whole blood O negative. Well, before mix that, with your blood and see, and it goes missing. I think and, no, no, they, 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 they someone cuts the bags. 
but they, but they find like a torn jacket. They find like a shredded jacket uh, in one of the rooms. And they're like, okay, who's throwing the dirty drawers in my trash? Yeah, you know, like you know, what's going on? And then then McCready's lights are turned yeah. on in his house, and he's not there. And it's you know you're seeing things that are setting up a who done it, a who is it? Yeah, the whole fucking time. But as uh, Kurt Russell does come back in after being like casted away, like they cut the line to try to get him, get rid of him, lost in the blizzard. Uh, that whole fucking scene where he actually uh, sits everybody down at the at pretty much fire point. You know, he's got the stick of dynamite. He's threatening to blow everybody up if they don't just obey him. Give him the guns. Uh, that scene by far takes a lot of things. That's pretty much old western style shit. The showdown. The Mexican standoff? Yeah. Because it's, uh, <laughs> it's neat, man. I mean, there's not many things that ever get close to what that scene pulls off. Yeah. The, uh, I like when he gets back in and they're like, he's like, well, we, you got to sleep sometime. He's like, oh, I'm a real light sleeper, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> he's holding just a big bushel of dynamite and a flamethrower. He's like, if you touch me, we all go. And Norris uh, has this heart attack and it falls down, you know, and uh, fucking they're like, get him in the operating table. And this is like the this best is my favorite the scene. movie, dude. This is my favorite scene. Uh, they they go to, uh, you know, revive Norris and defibrillator. Dr. Copper Copper is fucking, you know, defibrillating him. He goes clear. Boom. And fucking his hands go right through his chest and these big teeth and they just chomp down his arms. Cut his arms off. He screams. Then hell on earth happens, man. This is fucking tentacles flying, blood flying. His head falls off. His head separates and falls off. Fucking fi- flamethrowers. Like, this is fucking crazy action fast. Like, yeah. boom, 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 boom. Uh, it's really cool, uh, the behind the scenes on it, because I, I don't like a lot of behind the scenes making of, and I figured out why earlier today i'll go into that later but um this one i've watched a hundred times it's a the thing terror takes shape and it's a making of you can actually watch on youtube but um charles hallahan the guy who plays norse who had the heart attack is laying on the table and they did such a perfect body mold and hair pattern of him most of the crew didn't know it wasn't his body his body was under the table his head you know and like mm-hmm. when Doctor Copper walked in, like getting ready to do the scene, he's like, "Good God, throw a shirt on that man! Disgusting!" Uh. <laughs> like, like his hair pattern was so realistic, and they did full body molds. And like when you look at it, it doesn't look fake at it all. Doesn't, like it doesn't. It's fucking crazy, man! Like the the level of shit they went through in this movie. It took over a year to fucking film from start to end, over a year. Those special effects, I would expect it. Yeah, definitely. I remember with that scene uh, when his head falls off. Uh, I remember seeing that figure for the. You remember the movie Maniacs toy line for McFarland? Oh, yeah, they did a thing. Uh, uh, the action figure. They did two versions. They had, did one that was a uh, uh, that when they're doing the blood test, the neck extending and everything. Yeah, the Blair monster. The Blair monster, and then they did one with the head mm-hmm. creature. And I remember seeing the head creature. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And then uh, it said, you know, had the picture of the thing. I'm like, God, it looks stupid. Yeah, it was crazy. And, and actually, how they did that scene with the arms getting crushed out. Yeah, 
fucking um they hired a double amputee from it who got injured in an industrial accident was missing both his arms at the elbow so what rob botin did was he made a molding of dr copper's face and put it on this guy and then put uh gelatin arms with candlesticks for the bones and when that fucking thing clamps down that's actually a pneumatic fucking clamp it slams shut and rips the arms in half and the guy ah! falls Sweet. down that's awesome dude there's so so much going on in this fucking movie it's hard to do it justice by talking about it you, you really got to see this shit. Oh, i love the just the darkness when he punches through that's just mm-hmm. like the one thing you take away from it it was like wow i think that that, that was a very fun pop scare but uh i just an amazing pop scare it was just gorgeous the special effects the teeth all that i mean he punches through it was just yeah, like just punches so through, unexpected like, i was like yeah. whoa <laughs> it's fucking gnarly dude. beautiful it is uh, there's a lot going on in the scene it, this scene actually blew up like really did catch fire like mm-hmm. like as rob botin was saying they used lacquer uh plastic <laughs> fucking he's like dude this thing was fucking toxic by the touch yeah. let alone well there's a flamethrower scene and so when the head starts separating from the body this was a one take ordeal and fucking rob botin's like john carpenter's like hey we we shot a flamethrower off so there needs to be a fire bar under the lens not thinking that this lacquer fucking based fucking thing <laughs> not thinking anything of it and as rob botin's telling he's like like the whole, whole oh, fuck fucking set, whole set went up, and he's like, "It was like a cartoon when you look back, and everybody's faces are black and blank." And he's like, "Robotine only could scream out, oh my god, it's fucking burning!'" And John Carpenter's like, "Don't stand there, you idiot! Put it the fuck out!" Because it's this thing took like a month and a half to build, yeah, and yeah. there's only one, yeah, yeah. So fuck, dude, like crazy shit on that. I mean, Robotine worked seven days a week. 20 hour days for 59 straight weeks. And it shows because, I mean, even when the head separates and you see like the neck fucking muscles and shit and the nerves that keep bubbling out, it's fucking beautiful. Fucking awesome. Yeah. Then the head lands on the ground, grows spider legs out the sides. Like where these giant crab spider leg things and the eyeballs that come out. And this is all pre CG, folks. So this is like, wow. This is animatronics and puppetry. Amazing. Jim Henson, go eat a dick. <laughs> really? Because I'm sorry. This was like, this is what your imagination could do. And it's this isn't Dark Crystal. No, dude. This no. is like fucking horrific beauty and in fucking flesh and blood. Dude, Rob Botin got so good that the guy that hired him started stealing his ideas. Good. Yeah. That's amazing. Sorry. At 14 years old, he submitted his work to Rick Baker. And Rick Baker liked it so much, he immediately hired him. Uh, he got his first big break the year before this film, the thing, he, in uh, Howling. Cool. He got hired strictly for the werewolf transformation, the transformation scene, was amazing, which is that. fucking gnarly. Well, Rick Baker, you know, they were talking back and forth. Rick Baker did American Werewolf in London's transformation scene and won an Academy Award for him. Which the Howling one's actually better in my book. It's fucking crazy. Transformation wise, film wise, I don't know. Dude, that howling scene, oh, howling scene is coming out. Transformation yeah. wise, yeah. Yeah. I, oh I, no, film wise, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Film, film wise is great, but the transformation scene, whenever 
you get the big reveal with the flesh still you know, hanging onto the fur. Yeah, that's fucking that's awesome. Great. But yeah, uh, definitely, dude. There's just I can't praise this movie enough. I can't. I can't. There's no way I can express myself monosyllabically enough to the listeners to fucking pass how much this movie is fucking badass, man. It's just fucking fun as shit. So anyways, we're talking about table scene. <laughs> Sorry. I love this fucking movie. Well, that, well, that scene's one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah, I mean... And see, my favorite scene is more the, the showdown scene where he's doing the Petri dishes. That's yeah. the one I kept talking about. I, I keep the talking testing, about. The testing. Because when he's just... That absence of sound and all you hear is it. And it's like, oh, God, it's fucking beautiful. The scraping of the Petri glass. That was just awesome. And just get into that one fucking Petri dish when you get that awesome scene, which you can't really make sense of because he's holding the Petri dish and you have that fucking effect just come right out of it. It's beautiful. The hand and arms fake. If you look at it close now that you know that, it's not Kurt Russell's hand. It's actually a stand right in front of yeah, him. He stands right next to him. stand there and all he does is touch the thing it's in. Beautiful. And the it's thing a beautiful out. scene. Oh, it's fucking wow. cool as shit. But seeing yeah, you that, cannot tell. Seeing that in Letterboxd, it's just like, oh, fucking beautiful. <laughs> He's got it, it everybody tied to the couch, too. It's, it's a great scene. And after each one, they're like, all right, let me up, let me up. And fucking the last guy cracks me up. He's Untie like, me. if you don't mind, I wouldn't, I don't want to spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let him up. Oh, man. But after that fucking weird... Fucking, I don't know, Super Mario Brother fucking plant thing comes out of the fucking Petri dish. <laughs> Audrey, too. Um, seeing fucking Denim Jacket guy fucking do that weird seizure. <laughs> oh, yeah. dude, that's just magic. He fucking goes all group and shit and digs into the fucking floor and just fucking... It's weird because you see, like, his face melting and it becomes a skull and... It's, like, stretching apart, so pulling apart. weird. It's beautiful. And then his head just... Blitz and it's but the way but Dean Cundy oh, photographs fuck. it, the way he like pulls away to show you like the elements of fear, but then he zooms in to show you the significance of the effect. Mm. I was just like, oh my god! It's, it's and McCready's flamethrowers going out. I mean, when shit happens in this movie, shit fucking happens in this mm-hmm. movie. He fucking grabs uh, who's it? Uh, oh, curly haired radio yeah, operator guy. Bag. Yeah. Um, god dang. I can't fucking fucking with those the windows. Shit. There you windows go. Windows there. You go. Yeah, he just his head splits up and there's nothing but big teeth and he grabs windows and literally just throwing them around. Oh, dude. That's beautiful. He's death rolling them like dude, a gator. So fucking awesome, man. And I know we get into a little Evil Dead two ish fucking kind of shit there. We got rubber body fucking swarming around, <laughs> yeah. but it was still fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. It's like a bucking bronco. <laughs> but I love the way they, they leave windows because he's covered in like this fucking KY blood lube just laying there on the ground. The KY blood lube. And he's just like, it's like, oh, fuck that. That's the last thing I want to do is get bitten by that shit and just be left to like die. Yeah, as soon as he starts moving, they fucking burn his ass down. <laughs> fuck. So they, uh, Earlier, they, they found out that the thing smashed the helicopter, smashed the cats, smashed every way you could get off this fucking place. Yeah. Um, 
They got Blair, the doctor, Wilford Brimley, out Locked in his up cabin. In a hut. Yeah. Yeah. I hear things. <laughs> I'm ready to come out now. I'm okay now. <laughs> I love that. Got a fucking noose next to him. <laughs> I'm fine. Can you let me out? Oh, man. And so, uh, who do we got left? We got Keith David left. Yeah. We got Kurt Russell left. And fucking ass nose. What's his name? The old dude. Yeah, old dude. Uh, the old man, the captain. Yeah. Is Captain? Captain Eyebrows. Captain Eyebrows? It's the grandfather from Babe. That'll do, Pig. That'll do. <laughs> oh, Gary. Gary. Fuck you, Gary. With <laughs> <laughs> your you, ass Gary. for a nose. <laughs> he does. He has dick noseitis. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I mean, like, there, there's, like, supreme fucking level of fucking sh- shit that happens in the camp. And then kind of after that, it kind of goes subterranean. It goes subterranean, but this, it, it, I don't know, the last act kind of just, it stutters for me. I think it's the stop motion that does that to people. Because uh, they, you know. You're doing a certain style of the whole film. Yeah. And then you get the reveal of like. You know, Blair's been building a fucking spacecraft subterranean fucking. And you're like, what the fuck is this guy on? Because one, he does that weird mouth kill to fucking Gary. Mm-hmm. He sticks his hand and fucking... <laughs> <laughs> it's open wide. It's awesome. It's called deep throating. That's crazy. That's some Jason shit there. But uh, you don't really get explanation. It's pretty much what you think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, like, and it, they couldn't do the scene. Like, John Carpenter wanted it seamless. He did not want to notice stop animation, but at the same time, they didn't have CGI, so what are you going to do for this fucking Blair monster? Because it's like a fucking big tentacle octopus. So when did Blair become? That's the thing. You never find out the order. Palmer, I'm guessing, was the first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. somewhere along the line, probably Blair from working on his interaction remember, with it. Remember the two dead bodies? Uh, they put it in the thing, and that's where Benning gets it because the cellular level's not dead. Yeah. Yeah. So I think so, you never see Blair get turned. You don't see half. Because I mean, he, he, uh, he wrecks the radio shit with the axe to yeah. like cut off. That thing wanted to be us. So, like, smashing the shit out. Somehow of he was attacked within. The, the cabin, the hut thing by himself. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I, could, I can imagine because that would drive him to what? Escape? Go subterranean and start making the spacecraft? But when the fuck? It's true. You never know, man. Like, you don't know the order. I can't find the order. Because I like the idea of thinking that he was just crazy, but nothing would push him. I'm fucking alien crazy. And especially Why the whole fucking Blair monster. Yeah. Why would he build a spaceship? Why would he become a fucking monster? <laughs> it's like, oh, just... Or was he playing it off the whole time? Making sure they can't communicate with anybody else. Yeah. Well, more questions than answers. Yeah. I mean, this movie leaves you in a very nihilist feeling. It's just like, uh, uh, like you're dour. It's it's not a happy ending movie no. by any means. Mm-mm. But seeing the way him, uh, Russell, Childs, and all them, McCready's and Childs, all, everybody gets separated. Mm. So when it cultivates to that fucking dynamite explosion ending with this fucking truly macabre creature which is part everything it's got dog chest coming out it's hard fucking spider fucking arms octopus it's got half a wolf 
fucking yeah, thing off his head. Off his part head. Groot, part wolf, part human, part teeth. It's awesome. Pure kill it with fucking fire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Really>? yes. <laughs> so yeah, Childs earlier got separated from the group somehow. He thought he saw someone in the dark and they started blowing up the shit. I mean, they blow up their shelter. Yeah. Yeah. And and Kurt Russell comes up with the idea. He's like, look, that thing just wants to freeze. It, it'll outlast us. They'll find our bodies and they'll take it and it will come back to life. Like, we got to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. So they track it down. Like we said, blew up the whole fucking camp. Well, Kurt Russell is sitting there just watching the fire, drinking his JV scotch and out of nowhere walks Childs. He's like, mm-hmm. where were you, Childs? And he's like, I got lost in the snow. The explosion led me back. Yeah. He's like, oh. He's like, you think I'm one of those things, don't you? And Kurt Russell's like, they're not in much of a position to do anything about it. Hands him the bottle. Hands on fire. Yeah, they just sit there. And that's the end of the movie, man. They just sit there to their death, man. Yeah. It's important to note how it ends. I know everybody, probably everybody here knows, but... Mm-hmm. um. They distinctly lit Kurt Russell's breath real heavy. So you'd see him breathing, see the fog coming out of his mouth when he t- talks, but they don't like Keith David, Keith David's fucking breath at all. They try to keep it out from him. You can see little glimpses here and there because of the fire, but uh, he's he is one of the things. So he's not breathing that cold. The original plan was to have a sequel to this and fucking... They get found with frostbite and bring brought back to the world. But due to it being released like a week and a half after E.T., the super negative response it got. Uh, they it never got the never got yeah. the green light, man. That's yeah. such a fucking crime because now this movie is regarded as one of the best fucking horror movies of all time. Yeah. One of the best science fictions of all time. Masterpiece. And yeah. it's God damn it. It's so fucking good. I mean. People that I, a lot of people haven't seen it. Usually when I invite friends over and shit, like I'll be like, this will be like the first movie. I'll be like, hey, have you ever seen this? Like when I first met Ralph, that was the first movie we watched. But no, I've never seen it. Sit the fuck down. I can't imagine that. Dude, I introduced that movie to a lot of fucking people. Never seen it. And they end up fucking going and buying it and it becomes their favorite movie. It's a strong, strong fucking movie, man. So... Um, you got any, any any more interesting facts about this, Jim? Um, not really. I mean, the the fact that John Carpenter did it as his directorial masterpiece in my eyes. I mean, everybody always leans towards Halloween, and I, I, I stand by Halloween a lot before it's uh steady cam work and it's uh fucking just originality for for that time. But what he did. In the eyes of what we call remake, it stands a test of time. Even today, in 2016, there has not been a remake that has ever no hit this thing. kind of level. No, and I mean, I'm sorry for my little tidbit being more <laughs> of a final thought, but it is really like we'll go right into your final. Yes. No, that that's pretty much it. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's like that's it. I mean, what John Carpenter was able to accomplish in this film was just like. Originality at his best, but lo and behold, it's a fucking remake. Uh, Kurt Russell's magnificent in this mm-hmm. film. The character of McCready speaks to much of all. It speaks to every uh, the everyday man of kind of like what would you do situation. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea that 
nobody feels left out in this film. Like everybody's so isolated, but still together. That's your final thought. Uh, wow, already going to that part of the show. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, um, you're the the thing about the breath, the breathing, the breaths, and everything with the way Keith David's character Charles was shot versus uh, Greedy was shot. Um, that was a great ending. With the recent movie, it kind of contradicts that ending now, because of the things that they introduced in there. And we'll and we'll kind of touch on that you know, in a later portion when we go with that with that those final thoughts film. But uh, yeah, this movie is just it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful just everything. The practical effects, the lighting, the setup, the tone, the coloring. I mean, just everything. Uh, you start to you as you're watching it, you don't. You know, you, you you get that paranoia feeling because you don't know who to trust. You want to root for McCready. You want to root for Child. You want to root for the survivors, but you also can't trust them because they could be the thing. They could be that creature, and just that creature design with the muscles and the teeth and the eyes and all that look. It's it's terrifying. This is one of the few times where the creature effect is is terrifying. It's not a cheesy puppet. It's not, you know, it's some kind of cheesy effect that Roger Corman drew up. It's just a terrifying concept. And it's built on your paranoia and it's built on the setup and the conditions and the isolation. And that's what makes this movie just beautiful. It's just a great movie. And that's that's kind of my thoughts on it. Well, if I was to go into it, if I had to... I mean, of course, I agree with the boys, but if I had to summarize, in my opinion, this is the greatest science fiction movie ever made. It is one of the very, very best horror movies ever made. And I would say it is the best alien movie ever made. I know people are going to find that controversial, but this is John Carpenter's. In my opinion, this is his greatest film, man. I mean, you talk a, you talk the cast, man. I mean, you've got... Fuck, probably like at that time, like 40 plus years of acting on on there. You got Wilford Brimley. You got these old dudes that are from the 50s and 60s and 70s culminating in this movie. I mean, they're fucking amazing. Dean Cundy is on fucking point. His cinematography is gorgeous, man. You believe what you're looking at. You, It's a inviting feeling, but at the same time, you're very withdrawal because isolation movie it's fucking scary as shit um i don't know man when you look at movies like aliens and predator it essentially is just a dude in a fucking costume you know what i mean it stands up it's a guy you know and that's mm-hmm. kind of kind of a bummer and carpenter told botin that's one thing that he completely wanted to focus on and avoid at all costs i do not want a dude in a costume standing up mm-hmm. uh he wanted to create something that no one's ever seen before is constantly shifting and shape changing. Uh, I would be lying if I didn't say this is my fucking favorite movie. Period. Really? Period. Comedy, drama, whatever the fuck. This is my favorite movie. Um, I know Halloween held that title for 
fucking years for me, man. I mean, it's good, scary, fun, inventive, and brilliant. But this movie is a fucking work of art. And it's a masterpiece of cinema. I mean, where do you go off that? It's, if any of our listeners, here's a good one. If any of our listeners are like aspiring special effects artists and you haven't seen this movie, you fucking need to change that because this movie will blow your fucking mind. Take the remnants of the brain, puree it, freeze it, and smash it again on the floor. Try to figure out how they do this shit. Yeah. I've yeah. watched films my whole life. I've watched horror my whole life. I've watched behind the scenes my whole life. I still don't get how the fuck they did this shit. Um, you need to see it. It's required fucking homework for all movie fucking goers, man. It's required homework. It's the highest of recommends, absolute must buy, absolute must watch, buy multiple versions, and worship the thing. With with this movie, this one, I, uh, I'm i glad I waited until Mondo did the, the Steelbook release through mm-hmm. Target. I instantly bought that. Did it come with the... Uh, thing take shape documentary uh, it did i'm gonna buy it no it didn't it didn't come with it that's not part of the special features on there are you sure 100 percent positive the two-hour documentary it's fucking gnarly guarantee the only version that exists on is that thing uh with the weird artwork dvd yeah the i new, have the new artwork collector's edition yeah that collector's edition uh dvd is the only thing that's uh that that special features are involved in Dude, that special feature alone. You can watch it on YouTube now, but I won't get rid of that DVD because of that. Oh, yeah. And you could pick it up really reasonable at uh, Amazon. It's like it's like $8 yeah. DVD. Yeah, it's, it's, cheap like, it, it's worth it because the, the special... I'm sorry, a lot of the DVDs back then, the collector's edition, they packed in the special features. Yeah. Uh, I got mine at, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona at the time. There's a cool place. Kind of like how we have the movie exchange, but... These guys weren't a ripoff. Mm. Their, their business name was Zia. Dude, I got this fucking copy. Perfect mint condition, three ninety nine. Yep, it's fucking. I mean, it's, I mean, even a lot of the Blu-rays and stuff these days. I mean, shit, dude, that's dirt cheap. Yeah, if you can find, like I said, just go to YouTube, and put the making of the thing. Yeah, and you don't have to put Terror Take Shape. But they do something special for the Blu-ray. I think it's like a. A screen on Reunion. screen. It's a screen thing. on screen behind the scenes. Yeah, that's how they, how they, cool. That, yeah, that was one of the things that sold me with the still book is that when you're watching it, you get like if you see a specific scene, they show you how to do it behind the scenes in the bottom corner. I would so. definitely say for our listeners, if you haven't seen this movie, don't do scene on scene. Don't do any of the commentary. Just fucking watch this movie. Yeah, and so, then you'll you'll be interested enough to jump into all that shit. So I'm looking up on Amazon currently. So when this episode hits, you can get the thing on Blu-ray with. The documentary that Nathan was talking about for like nine fifty off Amazon. Oh, but it's not Screen Factories. It's, it's not just a regular no. one. Okay. No. Yeah. So it's uh, worth it. This is a. a you, you can already say this is a pretty much. You need to buy this. This is a definite buy. Uh, I own. Yeah, like I was saying, I own the Target Mondo crossover still book, uh, which does an amazing job with bringing the color up and the they they do a lot with the picture. Mm-hmm. But uh, I might have to get that ten dollar Blu-ray just to get the documentary. It's multiple copies. And that's not a bad deal. I bought, okay, I have the, the collector's edition DVD for, you know, I b- bought it really fucking cheap, but I also own it on iTunes. It cost me 27 bucks and it didn't even have any special features. Yep. But it is 1080p and fucking gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. So it was worth it. <laughs> um, I would almost call it, I do call it a masterpiece. Uh, I think the only thing that calls, uh, calls it down from being like, 
three or top five ever is pretty much that fourth that that last act that last act will it just it's not where it's it should have been i don't know if that's screenwriting wise it's not directing wise mm-hmm. or cinematography wise it was really just writing wise it's like they kind of wrote themselves into a corner and they didn't know how to end it and when it was subterranean it had great things to do it just didn't do it right in my eyes yeah so. again it's a it's a thing of the time if they would have had cgi back then and used it just for that subterranean it probably would have worked a little better but since it stopped motion you're seeing all these wonderful puppetry animatronics but since there's a stop it, motion i don't know if it needed to go end. subterranean that's the thing i think that's cool he's it adds more it, mystery to the the movie. It, it brings up why why is the helicopter smashed? Why is it he was taking the parts and building the ship? Yeah, and not to leave Earth, just to get the fuck away from them. Yeah, I, I like that. <laughs> I, think that's I, I enjoy that part because it just has more mystery to it. Yeah. You don't know you don't know anything about the thing. And the fact is, you know how they filmed that scene? They had to make a scale model to do all this. The stop motion and the lady did everything like one and one sixteenth of what the actual size was. So everything you see down there is actually a model. Yeah. Besides when the actors are in in frame, it's like fuck. Like, dude, so many people took so much time consuming efforts on this fucking movie. It's just glorious, man. Well, I threw this question out to our listeners about what they thought about the thing, and. Terry Gordon from Metal, Metal Geeks said that he loves the thing, one of the best movies from Carpenter ever. And uh, he even did a whole, uh, there was a part in his history of film class in college that he used the thing for uh, as a part of his assignment. Thesis. Uh, he didn't use thesis. Not that smart. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't pass. Uh, uh, Erica Burden, uh, one of the first scary movies that she actually, sh- that she actually saw that uh, was actually good. All the other horror movies that she'd watched were just interesting, but this one was the one that was terrifying. It was actually scary. That wasn't just something that you would see on basic cable. And then David Turner says that he really enjoyed the practical effects, and uh, there's nothing that can compare to the, the creature effects in this movie to anything else out today. Nothing. And uh, that's it from our listeners this time. But yeah, yeah this movie is it's awesome. So I guess what we're going to do is uh, we were originally going to do a thing episode and then the prequel, but I think we'll just piggyback it because it's pretty much the same fucking story, but just a lot of CGI. (laughs) So uh, it deals with, I think it came out in 2011, if I'm not mistaken, but it deals with the Norwegian camp prequel, hence the term. Uh, uh, yeah, where do you start? Okay, they they it tells the story of the Norwegians. They find the alien, bring it back to camp. And it's got a it stars a Mar- uh, Mary, Mary Elizabeth Mew. Winstead. Winstead Mew, yeah, to be called. She is fucking gorgeous. Ramona Flowers for all you Scott Pilgrim fans. Uh, she's going to be out in uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane very soon. Sweet. Uh, she is hot, and she looks completely different in this movie than anything else she's done. Dude, uh, and the rest of the cast is actually fucking Norwegian. <laughs> like, good even, luck pronouncing their names. Her, uh, was it her brother or her best friend? I forget. Who? The the guy. The, the, Lars? No, the, the American. Oh, 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 oh. He, yeah, was he the was the actor who played uh, 
Chris, uh, Lloyd Christmas and Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, him. I was... it, this this movie shows the only scene ever in the uh, thing universe to actually not be uh, within Good. the Antarctic area because it actually takes place in the museum and actually in the original Comic Con uh, trailer, there's actually a scene where they actually talk in the city at a diner, which only exists in that one teaser trailer that they showed for Comic Con year whatever 2010 2009 um yeah it's one of the few scenes that you actually see that's not in the snowy area because mm-hmm. she's actually groomed to take the case of uh a find and what's great about the uh the thing 2011 version is that it opens with this um kind of bobcat searching and they're going through oh, listening cool. to sonar sounds yeah. and stuff like that and he tells the guys to stop because uh he has, here's a sound and lo and behold they just crash and when they kick their headlights on, they see the sh- the spaceship. The spaceship, like they go, they fall through the hole in the ground. And it kind of, in turn, kickstarts this whole thing of like getting the paleontologist chick or whatever too, because yeah. she's looking at like a thawed out like mammoth cat thing, which is weird because this kind of time frame back in the 1980s, kind of like because it's a prequel to the thing original, but she's like bore scoping a fucking thawed out bear cat. Which I don't know if the technology. I thought she was carbon dating it. She, but she was using like a. She was actually like holding the cable and going through the. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. (laughs) So I was like, wow, she's borescoping this fucking animal. I didn't know they had borescoping back then because you see it. You see it now with Navy SEALs and stuff when they go underneath the door frames, or we use it with like different vessels and stuff. Mm -hmm. We have to go through like tight areas, but uh, it was neat that she was doing that. And what's funny is that she's actually listening to the Pet Shop Boys in her Walkman. It's a. Oh man, um, it's a song that really plays. So like the the thing theme, it's it's pretty funny. But uh, yeah, that's one of the few scenes that actually takes place uh, uh, not in the Antarctic area. I never even thought of that, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. the guy walks in and tells her, you know, we need a we need you to come to Antarctica, and she's like, why? And he's like, I need an answer right now. I can't tell you why. Okay. <laughs> okay. Says yes. Uh, Brings her buddy along. Um, what's neat is that the helicopter ride, uh, you get introduced to the uh, uh, the two helicopter pilots. One of the guys, uh, he's actually the actor that plays out of BC in Oz, and he actually comes out in Lost, too, uh, which does a great job. And the other actor is, uh, I forget his name, he comes out in uh, Warrior with Tom Hardy. And Joel he, Edgerton. God, he's awesome in this movie. Lars? Uh, he plays uh, Carter. Yeah, there you go, Carter. Yeah. He was actually uh, Luke Skywalker's uncle in Episode Three when they hand him the baby. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Sam. I always get him and Sam. Sam uh, Jackson. Clash of the Titans. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The no, not from, the black dude. The, the dude white from, dude. Yeah, the, the black the, dude is uh, the dude from Avatar. Adewale. Yeah, I can't. I yeah, yeah. To, to yeah. pronounce he's that a, he's awesome. That Adewale guy comes out. And he's he's the one that's out of BC and Oz, and he's also. Uh, he plays an awesome character in Lost. Yeah, it's uh, there is funny on him, him on the documentary. It's like they're up in the snow and he's in this big warm jacket and he's got like frost on his lip and shit. And he's like, "I'm from Africa, motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm not built for this weather, <laughs> dude." But yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the same premise. They, you know, they they actually find the alien, bring it back. They're all celebrating that that they found it and. Boom, the alien escapes, what's, carnage ensues. What was beautiful is that they, they get introduced to the, the spaceship 
originally. Like they get yeah. they get taken down to the mines where like the actual spaceship is. Yeah. Before she, they blew it up. And she gets told that they're they recovered like a body. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, frozen ice, all that stuff. And she's she's in charge of just you know excavating the body in the ice cube form. Yeah. <clears throat> the neat shit that I learned about this is um originally there was more story to it. There was gonna be they were going to allude to why the spacecraft was actually there in the yeah. Antarctic. And it was interesting because it was like the, the spaceship was collecting bodies. It was a collector. It was a collector of things. Like a predator. And somehow the species of that the thing is got loose and kind of attacked them. So they decided to crash the ship on the nearest planet and it was Earth. And it was neat. You know, it was like a neat premise to like allude to the idea of like why the fuck the spaceship is even on earth but there's supposed to be a scene fall uh toward the end with uh that would show more that would would reveal more that was cut and that when i read that i was kind of disappointed because that would have been an amazing scene i kind of like they left it ambiguous and you know yeah open-ended because if you you don't need to sew this story up tight it's an alien we don't fucking know where the fuck it came from Mm -hmm. you know if you get too many answers, it's like, oh, well, how do you come to that conclusion in the 1980s? Yeah. Well, the scene I'm talking about is like just the bodies. Oh no, no, no! I, like, I, I no, get no, your no, thing. Not the explanation, just the actual bodies. Yeah, I just I don't like when movies explain it, like hit you in the face with a pan ex- explanation, like the ding. Oh, okay. Well, in the prequel, they they get the the body out of the ice and they take it back, and um, take it back in she's she's very not like she doesn't want to disturb it. Yeah. But the guy that brought her there is like, let's drill it. We got a tissue sample. Exactly. And that whole shit leads to them figuring out what the fuck it is. Because she sees the molecular structures, like blah, blah, blah. All the Blair shit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's neat and all. Because they're all partying for their discovery. And they're all happy. Because it's like, it's earth shattering fucking discovery. Mm-hmm. It is. But then uh, at a BC character goes and checks on it and the fucking thing bursts out and it's on the loose. What I love about the remake is that there's no subtitles for the Norwegians. Yeah. I love that because it plays to and it aids to the who is it kind Wait, of there's shit. Subtitles. Yeah, yeah, there's subtitles. For what they're saying to each other? Yeah. Oh, no. No, no, no. I was no, like... No. Oh, Wait, no, guys. no, like no. Whenever they're doing the interrogation with uh, with uh, Mary Elizabeth's character, when they're doing the check, there's there. That's when subtitles hit. I remember the joke in the beginning had subtitles where he's like, "Oop a da, but oop a da, but oop a da." Get yeah. off your mother! Like, <laughs> but, but them speaking in a foreign tongue it aids to them not knowing what each no, other's seeing. There's subtitles. Yeah, there, there is subtitles. Yeah, because okay. uh, yeah. remember he. He's like, Edvard, they're talking to Lars, like, she's an American, she's against us, blah, blah, blah. And that, you know, I believe it has some, I think some, I think some scenes don't. I think some scenes don't because that's what helped. I mean, the director even talked about it as being an aid to create the hysteria of like not knowing for the English speaking audience. Yeah, I mean, I do remember some scenes not having it, but I do remember like action scenes having it. Gotcha. I 
know. Because that's why I think he I had just to... fucking watched this yesterday. Yeah, I should fucking know. I watched it Wednesday night. I think that's the reason he had some of the Norwegian actors speak in their native tongue because it aided to American culture, like not knowing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just built to that isolation of stuff. Like you don't know what the hell's going on. Dude, the one Norwegian dude that needs to be fucking Lars. Uh, Lars. Yeah. Lars. That dude is straight fucking Viking, bro. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> he is badass. He's just like Lars. Where is Lars? Is it is that the dude with the big red beard? Yeah. Yeah. That's no, no. Lars. Yeah. Well, that's one of them. The 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 one guy with the big red beard is actually from Game of Thrones and stuff. Oh, that's Jonas. Yeah. Christopher. Yeah. Yeah. That dude is straight badass. Dude, like, he's, he's fucking cool awesome in Game of Thrones. And they're like talking about the aliens, and he's like, "I always believed in them." But the, uh, <laughs> I love the the reveals because even when you see the first attack and it's underneath the cabinet stuff, and you see the fucking creature effect, it's like fucking horrific. The way it pulls the guy under and starts attacking him, and they burn him, and the body just falls to the fucking ground because it's on fire. Oh, the coolest scene in this movie is, you know, as you're coming up on. Yeah. Oh, the the where they cut it open and it's. Got the body, oh, the body inside, inside of it. See through translucent shit. Yeah, translucent yeah. skin, and they notice that the plate—it's expelling the plates. expelling anything inorganic. And they're like, "What the hell is that?" And they're like, "That." Oh, he broke his screws. arm. Yeah, he's like, he's like, "Well, he had an elbow surgery a long time ago. He broke his arm, and that's a plate to hold his thing together." And they're just like, "What the fuck? How'd but, this but, get but, out but of how, him? How is he unscathed? Where's the scarring?" I love when mm. Carter's leaving with that one guy. And she sees the fillings on the ground. And then she looks in the shower and it's all that blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And But you're thinking there's one guy. But it's the other guy. And you see that weird crack in the face where it's yeah. just like, yeah. it's digital, but it plays so fucking well. It's just like a, a disposition. Well, it's because one guy looks like he's starting to convulse. Yeah. But if the he's camera like shifts to the sickly. other guy. And he's and totally the big normal. Re- and, the, and the big reveal is that the other guy is... Yeah. The thing, yeah. you think person the... you do not think. Yes. Obviously, there's one guy that's all sick on the helicopter. What's going on? Why are we turning around? And he's like, huh? I don't know. I it's don't... not the patient. Ah! <laughs> it's not the patient. It's the doctor. Yeah, it's fucking awesome, man. Uh, so many red hearings. You're gonna have <sighs> new age kids ain't gonna mind the CGI in this movie. Um, it doesn't bother me, but it kind of does. Well, yeah, because it's coming off a movie that had zero. Yeah, but audiences these days need that stupid shit. I don't get it. I hadn't seen this movie since I saw it in theaters. It's kind of like Evil Dead, mm-hmm. the remake. I was really? like, I saw it and I was just like, man, whatever. It was good, okay. but I didn't give a shit to ever watch it again. Hmm. Okay. But I rewatched it for this episode, and when I saw it, I was like, I liked it. Yeah, I really, I do like this movie. I liked it because even when the girl, like when uh, the Weinstein girl goes to go look for the keys. And the other girl's behind her. She's like fucking bitching and moaning ah, about her friend. Oh, the thing, the way the thing uses its vocal cords to create sound out of it, mm-hmm. and the way it would just do its transformation without the camera cutting. Yeah, it was fun. Well, but what I hate is that when you get the effect when it's standing still, it's beautiful. But once they move, it's Harry Potter Play-Doh fucking yeah. shit. Yeah, I was like, shit, that sucks. Yeah. But when it's standing still, it's like it's a beautiful work of art just coming apart. Well, like, uh, what's weird to me is me and Aaron were actually talking about this. They use practical effects, like what, like the the bodies melding together. That was actually a torso head. I mean, it looked just like the guy, realistic as shit. But then they added all that CG shit up. to it, and it covers it up. And it's like, why? Why are you doing that? Like, 
I, I was reading something like they wanted the director wanted to look more gruesome, so they added CGI to a lot of the effects to make it look gruesome, but it takes away from it. Yeah, it starts I, to look fake. I mean, as the body was, it had you know stumps for arms, you know, yeah. and it then they added the rippling in the chest and the rippling in the neck. And it's like the nothing there is real anymore. Like it looks too fake. It looks too video game. That's kind of a problem with me in this movie, but at the same time, it's not enough to throw me off the movie because it still looks cool. I mean, like Jeff said, until they like run at you, it's kind of like, Oh, you know, yeah. kind of weird animation, but yeah, she, yeah. she flags the ship down and they crash off in the distance. Mm -hmm. And, uh, which is just so fucking convenient that this, the helicopter actually goes behind the mountain to crash. I like, see the, the smoke. Yeah. See the smoke trail. Okay, let's just save a little couple extra dollars on budget there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're Photoshop they're yeah. trying to figure out how the fuck this is happening, and I like their tests that they come up with. Yeah. That's what I like. It's original. It? Yeah. They they're like, look, the it, flashlight. It spit mm -hmm. out the fillings in this guy's teeth. It spit out the elbow thing. Um, Everybody open your fucking mouth. <laughs> Let's look for inorganic <laughs> material. And, and, and I liked it because when she's trying to ask the guy to translate to the Norwegians, they're like, what the hell? You know, it's like they don't understand why they're doing it. And they're trying to explain what's going on, but they're freaking out because of what they just saw. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to do it. <laughs> and it's just the language barrier adds more to the the paranoia that's going on in this scene. Because and see, that's know. why I don't think there were subtitles. There was, I think there, the guy's like, no, no. Like, there was, the was there saying? were whenever right. they were talking about her, but right. whenever they were going, but those scenes like that, and they're, you don't know, you're right. When he's trying to explain to Lars, he's like, what do you mean? They never says they the subtitles until it. It, you need to open your mouth, and that heightens the, uh, yeah, yeah, that heightens the uh, the paranoia part, yeah. the American paranoia. And then you're right. Oh shit, that's what yeah. I noticed because I was like, why the fuck are the subtitles for this? Part? I don't know what the fuck he's saying to this guy. You're right, and I was like, oh, they're doing that for. Yeah, Us. Like when I have to listen to you two speak Spanish. Oh, yeah. Because that happens so much. <laughs> it happens. But yeah, that scene where they're checking the, the fillings and the teeth. And uh, they get they get to her friend, and he's like, well, I got to be an asshole because I, I floss every day. Yeah. The other side of the room, bud. Other side of the room. Open your mouth. They're porcelain. And he just walks away. <laughs> like... It, what does it boil down to? Like four dudes, three dudes, four, four dudes, yeah. four. Yeah. It kind of splits. So, yeah, they put them off the side until they figure out the cellular. But as we're doing it, they hear something outside, mm -hmm. and two go running outside, and they leave uh, the other guy with the flamethrower to kind of guard. And that's whenever you get more of the the language barrier. Like Norwegians are talking. She's an American. She's against us. They've always been against us. This and this and this. What are you doing? Trying to bring. Trying to bring him over to the side. Uh. And this kind of leads to like a like the Americans versus the Norwegians mm -hmm. because the American pilots are back, they came back, and uh, so it makes you wonder: Are they infected because well, they they've, crashed? They've been back the whole thing? time. They've been sitting in the sitting by the. Oh, heater. Yeah, like that's right. They were captured and they're put in the room. Yeah, and she sent Lars and Redbeard to go check on them. Mm -hmm. She was like, "Bring them in here so we can test them," and like they went to go get them. But when they went there, that's when the floorboard was got, missing. One of them got taken down, and uh, he ran back. Well, yeah. the floorboard's missing. Then he goes. Lars goes and checks like another shed, and that's when his ass gets like. Yeah, jumped. they they escape and they get a flamethrower and yeah. come in. Yeah, because Redbeard comes back and he's like, oh, blah blah blah, and he shoots him right in the fucking head. Ah, the other dickhead. Yeah, yeah. 
Mm. And that's what's fucked up is that the one guy that didn't have feelings is like, let me go check on my friend. And that's when the fucking flame goes up. Yeah. And then he gets knocked down and then the Americans are like, yeah, help him up, help him up. Let's yeah, yeah him. that's that, the and scene. And then you see the fucking arm. <laughs> the arms fall that's off. Awesome. Yeah, that, the porcelain fillings. That was porcelain fillings. No. Yeah. That was another guy. Horse and fillings is no like that the very fucking end. That was the uh, um, Norwegian he's, he's Brad like Olaf Pitt. or something yeah. like that. I forgot his name is. Uh, he had like the black turtleneck sweater. Yeah, Edvard. Yeah, Edvard. And uh, the other guy who's like the main dude is Doctor Sanders. Yeah, the original actor that was supposed to play Doctor Sanders was so drunk on set they had to fire him and they had to wow. hire this other actor. Yeah, Who is it? I forgot his name. It was like it was a Norwegian name. It was oh. like Stovai or something like that. Stovai. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Damn, guy knows how to work. Yeah, but the, like this fuck this is where the melting body comes into play. I fucking love this scene. Yeah. Like uh cuz when this guy's this fucking guy when he drops his arm, it goes after Redbeard. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it has awesome fuck cuz it hits his face and it's like pumping shit into his mouth like it's it's like regurgitating to his throat. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh God, it's fucking horrific. But the other guy's fucking turtleneck bushes open and he goes full on like Spider-Man shit. Well, he like, like arches back and yeah. his head goes backwards and like neck breaks and he's looking at everybody doing that that thing oh. screen from the first movie. He's doing all of that and, it's just, and he's staring at people and as he's staring at him, he starts to t- like whip and stab and attack them. Well, the he, dude from Dumb and Dumber got stabbed yeah, oh, through yeah, the chest he's, so he's just laying on he's the He's laying there his guts all like, Ugh. Yeah, and then fucking uh, Adebisi and fucking Carter flip the pool table over. Mm-hmm. They try and hide, hide behind that one, but then Adebisi gets like punctured right in the fucking chest, mm-hmm. and he's down. Carter's tending to him, but then fucking thing goes up to fucking uh, Dumb and Dumber guy, and he does the he does <laughs> Dumb the, and Dumber guy he does the face <laughs> to face melt. Yeah. Oh, dude! The face yeah, when you see the guy's like cheeks start, that's something you can't do practical. If they you could. If Botin could have figured it out, great. But this thing looked great because you actually see the skin start melt melting. Start it pushes yeah. his skin and then starts melting and pulling it. And I was like, "Oh man, that's yeah. awesome!" Effect. It's cool because he like nuzzles and he's like oh, rubbing he's like, into yeah, his face, yeah. and then their face becomes one. And oh, fuck, but the way cool. he, he he they melt and he just picks them up and runs off. Yeah. Like, he like he like spider walks off out of the room. <laughs> and the guy's like, "Oh fuck." <laughs> <laughs> Come on, buddy. You're coming with me. We're going for a ride. Fuck, man. Like, I kind of get confused where everybody ends up and how everybody dies, but... Uh, the the red beard. Yeah. But when they go back and, and uh, Home Chick's got the it's fire... The claws going oh, through his eye. Oh, yeah, it's, it's fucked like up. Nasty. Through his face. And that's what I'm saying, dude. Like, we could speak so much to the thing original because it is nasty. But there's a significant amount of nastiness in the remake. Oh, yeah. I wasn't... Dude. I. I wrote it off because it was like, it was good, but I didn't give a fuck. Yeah, I just wish it wasn't so... I mean, you had four... In your face with it. Because Rob Bottin shadowed everything. Everything was dim lit whenever you saw the the thing. Yeah. I think they should have done that instead of like, you know, 40-watt bulb above it. Like, hey. (laughs) You know, I think that scene where the chick's torso splits and the mouth comes out of it. I think it would have looked better if it was dimly lit. It was nice to revisit. It's like, I know what a Ferrari looks like, but it was nice to look what a Tesla looks like because I haven't seen it before. Mm. It was kind of like that because I really, like I said, I had not seen it since I saw it in theater. So that's like, what, 2011? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, really nice to revisit this. 
because it did get play doh with the CG when they started moving, especially that whole fucking scene where, like, that thing's going after Carter in the dining area. Yeah. I was like, ugh. Yeah. There's a few effects that just do not work, and yeah. I think it's due to overlighting. But... Do I kept it in shadow? What look this cool. has that the original didn't have was I actually enjoyed the the final act. Yeah, the, where they go to the spaceship. Well, first of all, the the, the whole cabin's on fire. Uh, Carter grabs an axe. They're burning everything, and they see the other arm crawling up. And he smacks the axe into the door, and, and she's like, like, "Don't touch it." They make like how the director thought of this movie was: we have to do a reverse crime scene. So everything that's in Carpenter, how did this get here? So they touch all the bases they very well. They burn everything down. They, they yeah. touch everything. Blow everything well. up. The guy slits his wrists in the chair. But you never see that. It, the scene was shot, but they edited it out because yeah. it, it fucked up the pacing. Yeah. Um, the so, door, the, the burn, the merge body in the, in the middle of the field. Yeah, so Kate and Carter fucking take off after... They torch the merged body, and yeah. it fucking burns in the in the ice. They mm-hmm. take off after Sander, right? The doctor. Yeah, because he's the one that's... Yeah. yeah. Uh, they get a snowcat. They head out to the spaceship, and fucking things starting up. Ooh. She falls down into the spaceship, and, you know, the battle ensues, blah, 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 whatever. It's but, very, very rushed. Yeah, it is very Well, this rushed. part feels like this is your typical kind of new age action film where... You, they're on the spaceship. Then all of a sudden, they see the vents start popping up, and they're running to save themselves. Right, and they jumping, get separated. Jumping vent to vent to vent. And jumping from vents, and this is kind of new age. And then that's when they get separated, and she is in, ends up inside. Which, if you get a spaceship right, cool. and you get vents, you end up in a hallway or a walkway. Yeah, a spaceship. Mm. When not that, not like of oxygen or something. Or? Yeah, exactly. It's not. There feels rushed. <laughs> It's a little rushed. I mean, all that happens is she throws a grenade into the thing and fucking blows him up. Yeah. And then the spaceship blows up. Well, he up. opens his mouth to eat her, and she's like, oh, I love this. Three. I love this scene, though, where she's walking by, and she's like, what's going on? And it's like this huge fucking 3D version of Tetris is going the on. The Tetris yeah, block, the cool Minecraft? Shit. That is like, cool shit. Fuck? So she walks out. Uh, fucking, uh, <sighs> you know, Carter is in the snowcat, and um, fucking she gets in, and I forget how the conversation goes, but she. Oh, after the explosion. Yeah, she's she looks like, at him and she. Where's like, your ear? No, like no, no she, like, she, she, she's, she's like, I've noticed something from the very beginning. Uh, no, like you know how I knew you were human from the beginning. Your ear when you returned from the helicopter crash. Yeah, your earring, and he actually grabs the, the wrong, wrong ear because the earring's not in either. Because she's but, not getting in the snowcat. She's standing outside, and yeah. she goes, she goes, okay, I'm going to put something in the back. Yep, Comes grabs back. The- Flame throws his ass. I love that slow mo scene too. You yeah. see the flame like hit him in a long shot, and then he, he does the, the, the scream. No, no, he, I love he's, he's he's pleading with her like a human all the way to the end. Yeah, Kate, no, Kate, no, Kate. Like, yes. <laughs> so then she gets in the other snow cat and fucking takes off. And... Windshield wipers is going. No, yeah. just the windshield wipers. Yeah, just yeah. windshield wipers. And then you just directed by. Yeah, but then this is After this scene. one of my very favorite scenes of the whole fucking movie. Uh, another pilot lands, Norwegian, in a helicopter and fucking dum, dum. gunshots start ringing out. He's like, hey, what the fuck? I dum, think dum. it's Lars. I can't remember who it is. Um, it's one of the dudes that are from the camp, but it's Lars. Yeah, it's Lars. He, he dum, runs dum. out and he's like, and he's like, oh, we're like, Take me up now, and you see a fucking dog. You run see the off. dog just dum, bolt. Dum, no, you dum, see dum, the dog dum. bolt out, and he's shooting. He goes, take me up. What? Dum, Hurry, dum. get in. Take me up. 
the, the fucking the beginning of Carpenter's film. Oh, fucking cool. Marco Beltrami, who did the uh, score for uh, World War Z, uh, he does a score for the thing prequel. He does a great job because he mimics, but without, you know, stepping on toes. But it's not till that very last scene that Nathan was talking about that they actually actually use Indigno Morcone's uh, original score, oh, which do. is a uh, very great to bring up because the man just won a fucking Oscar for the Hateful Eight uh, recently, which is very well earned. Sir. He's still alive. Yeah, he's like eighty one, eighty three. Fucking Christ! When he won that Oscar for Hateful Eight, I was just like very, very, very well deserved. Mm. And Nino Morcone, he he. Man, he deserves The guy that should one. get a lifetime achievement award. I fucking yeah. actually Dude, I didn't like that. He won a f- I love the score because I mean, like anybody that it was just it was Tarantino's homage to isolation horror, but done in a western theme. Mm-hmm. Which is just I don't know, utterly fucking majestic. And I acquired the Blu-ray early, so I will be watching that sometime this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, so let's uh let's do final thoughts on the thing 2011. Yes. Um the 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 last doctor scene is very heavily CG, but when you see the face of the actor and it actually shatters into almost a dog-ass creation, you get to kind of see what the CG special effects gave us, which isn't great, but it's it you know, it's if you've been stomaching Lord of the Rings for so long, it's not a huge pill to swallow. Um, there are some problems I do have with the film, but they are very minimalist. It's very, uh, you know, it, I mean, the the girl's supposed to play more of a uh, Ripley character rather than a McCready, yeah. which is very appreciated. <clears throat> and this is all information that, you know, you can hunt down after you watch the film on IMDb. Uh, it's very trivial and easy. But the things that I noticed were um, augmented reality. Um, two very strong people came into the film early on to work on the film. It was a an Alex and a Woodrow. Alec Gillis and a Tom Woodrow Jr. They were hired originally to do all the practical effects for this film. They actually did a majority of their practical effects. Yeah. There's a huge final scene. Uh, there's a Tetris version that we all watch. And then there's a practical effects scene that exists which carries the original uh drivers of the final scene uh, they looked a little cartoony and i hate to say it but they did um they would have worked but maybe not to the greatest of expectations for what we uh, have for the thing uh but these guys from uh a maglamented uh a maglamented uh dynamics um, they've done great fucking work. They've done the CG work for Green Goblin before Sam Raimi decided to go fucking CG with that William Defoe's bullshit. Yeah, that wasn't Raimi's choice. Yeah, and then uh, he, they also did a lot of work for um, uh, other films. I don't know, they escaped me right now, but the main thing was the thing. Uh, they had a whole ending that was uh, it was going to live on to be more of a practical effects thing. I think they went the better route. I mean, I would love to say the practical effects look better, but they didn't in my eyes. And if you think any less of that, then you just go watch the film that they kick-started. It's called Harbinger Down. Uh, they took all the practical effects that were supposed to be used in the thing, and they made Harbinger Down, which is free to see if you have Netflix. So go watch that. 
Um, there's fun tendril effects and all kinds of weird shit that go on, but they don't really live in the way uh, the thing 2011 kind of was able to pull off with the CG stuff. The practical effects are neat. They're cool. I really prefer them to a lot of things, but in this film, for this case, I prefer the CG. It's the few times I'll actually say that, but I Over will. the original? Uh, no, there's the remix. Oh, okay. Well, they were hired. Well, I mean, like the practical effects are original, mm-hmm. bar none. Awesome. But what they were going to try to do for the 2011 one, they tried to do some really cool original shit, but I didn't see it. You can go on YouTube and watch uh, the the shit they tried to pull off. It wasn't. Yeah, the making of. They just put layers and more layers and more layers. And I didn't, I didn't like it. Or what they had hanging from the shit to show the actual creatures that were piloting the, sh- the spaceship. It didn't look. It looked great, great character design, but then in the middle of their fucking heads, they had like three or four eyeballs, like regular human eyeballs, just looking around. It looked okay. Yeah, cheesy. So I'm yeah. glad they went the way they did. I hate the Tetris effect, but it saved us from maybe something a little bit too hokey. Uh, all in all, final thoughts on this film: it's good. It's a very well worth prequel to sit down and watch. Um. If you pay attention to a lot of the shit that they do with the uh, the gimmicks of the feelings being spit out and all that stuff, it alludes you to a true ending for the original that um, it's fun. I never noticed it. Honestly, if I didn't IMDB it and look in trivia, I would have never given a shit to even care about it. But lo and behold, the truth was there. And yeah, it's it's uh, we don't have to rely on the uh, breathing ending anymore for the original. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun. Uh, for what Matthias uh, Berengen Jin, uh, did, it was really good. He was actually lined up to do the sequel to Dawn of the Dead after Zack Snyder did the uh, remake for Dawn of the Dead. It was actually called Army of the Dead, but a lot of the production and stuff went down in flames when Strike Entertainment went down. So Army of the Dead was never made. So we never really saw a follow-up film. We to... did, but it was really crappy, low budget. That's Day of the Dead. No, Dawn of the Dead 2P, the need. No, still not related to the Strike Entertainment version. They claim it as a follow-up. Um, but when Strike Entertainment did the Dawn of the Dead remake, the thing that they had scripted and was supposed to go into production was supposed to be with this guy's follow-up film for the thing, 2011, was supposed to be called Army of the Dead. And yeah, it's sad that that's dead in the water because we never had a follow-up with that kind of production value. But eh, lo and behold, here we are. Mina Savari needed work, so did Nick Cannon. Yeah, that's definitely Day of the Dead. <laughs> um, yeah, so in my book, it stands as a good prequel, sequel. Um, what do you think, Aaron? Uh, my after watching it, because I watched this one and then I watched the thing, the original, because I wanted to, I wanted to see in this order. Uh, the one thing I liked was how it kind of played it paid homage to the original by having a lot of the same scenes. You have the test, you have the red herring, you have the shock of who actually was infected. You have, you know, the the person who who gains control and the paranoia. You have a lot of things that made the first one really great. But then also you kind of see how things were set up to the original, like the axe on the door, the 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 suicide, the frozen suicide character, the ice cube that's busted out through the center. The, the melting face. Uh, 
it's cool to see how those things played before you see them in the second movie or the the, the original. Um, my criticism comes to the CGI use only because there are some things that they kind of they could have hidden or kept off camera or used shadows instead of just using full blown CG. And my I guess the big one is the kitchen scene where the thing is very Jurassic Park raptor like yeah. doing stalking them in the kitchen. You could have just played off with shadows against the wall, the it clapping on like you know, it kind of like you know making sound against the floor instead of just full blown showing it constantly. Keep it hidden, keep it suspenseful, keep the paranoia going because it was great up until it's again it's Jurassic Park now. These are the raptors chasing after the humans, tracking them down instead of it being that creeping that intimidating feeling yeah and that's that, that's kind of one of the issues i have is just instead of saving money on cg use shadow play use use lighting uh then you know when they're then whenever they get to the alien ship that's when it gets really action movie and kind of cheesy where it's you know this is what you see in typical action movie this is what you see in like the mummy with brendan fraser or Independence Day, something where you're gonna have a giant explosion. It's it, it wasn't really needed. That part just wasn't really needed. That scene wasn't really needed. But I did like the twist at the end, and I kind of mentioned this earlier with the earring, because in the original, Childs is wearing an earring when he's sitting down at the end to take the the drink from uh, McCready. Uh, and if you're going off the rules of the prequel. He can't be the thing if he has an earring. But I, I, I don't know. That kind of that's that's one thing I think that kind of it was a cool gimmick for this for the prequel, but it kind of contradicts the ending a little bit to uh, the original. It kind of messes with it to me. It does. But, but that's but no, overall, it's it's a great. It it was good. It was a lot of fun. I I would prefer the original to this one, but this one was still good it was still good so i'm not going to hit on it just that there's some things that would have changed but that's that's really it what about you nathan shit man uh <clears throat> as i'm looking at rotten tomatoes <laughs> a 35 percent for this movie that wow. is unacceptable man this is at least a 60 uh, maybe a little higher do i i would go with i would probably go 67 yeah i mean shit I, I, how do you follow up, like I said, one of the greatest fucking movies ever made? I do mean that. <laughs> I did mean that. That movie is fucking amazing. How do you follow that up? You don't make Forrest Gump 2. You don't make a prequel to Forrest Gump or anything like that. Like, nope. w what do you do? So, do you put a mustache on Mona Lisa? Yeah, <laughs> right. So, I mean, where was it necessary? No, but at the same time, I fucking like this movie a lot. I I watched it at least seven times since theater, and I saw it twice in theater. Nice. Uh, that ending just gets me giddy every time I hear the dump dump and the fucking they're chasing the dog down the helicopter. It's cool how it just right away connects. It's cool the labor of love they took to make sure that every little piece in John Carpenter's film when they went to the Norwegian house was just like. They found it, you know, the axe in the door, 
dude, I mean, yeah, they did cut the scene with the dude slicing his throat and wrist, but uh, is it, I'm not going to oversell it. It's not great, but it's definitely serviceable. Like, you watch it, you're not going to feel fucking ripped off. I mean, you might not like it, but you're not going to be like, oh, that was fucking stupid. Like, no, this is a good movie. That's about as far as I can say for it. Um, if we're going to do our, our three picks for it, um, I would say. So, the, well, the choices are buy, download, or rent, rent or don't or watch. Buy, download, Netflix, or skip. Definitely not skip. Um, I'd rent it. I'd rent it. If, if you rent it and you, if you really like the original thing, you're probably going to end up buying this movie. But if, you haven't seen it, I would pay caution and rent it you'd first. Rent it. I'd rent it. You rent it? Yeah. I probably would have done a Netflix. Either either VOD or Netflix. Let's it. do buy rent or avoid. <laughs> buy rent or avoid? Yeah. Buy rent or avoid. Did any of y'all play the the thing for the video game that was on PS2? Yeah, it was hard. <laughs> yep. It was really hard. It was confusing. I hated the controls. It was confusing as shit. I, really... I, I like the concept. I did hate the controls. I hate some of the things that you had to do, but I like the concept of gaining trust of your your people. I really like the comics. Comics were mm-hmm. fucking graphic and gnarly. Yeah. Uh, the blueprints got. There was no blueprints for the Swedish fucking. Uh, They're camp. Norwegian, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> so uh, they actually had to base off of Kurt Russell's height in order to. Yeah build up uh the where the axe would be yeah oh the whole suite the whole set the whole set yeah Yeah, they had to base off the whole fucking idea of like his height just to kind of like play with all right these are the dimensions we have to go for this fucking uh mary elizabeth winstead's not a tall person no they had to base everything off 510 that was neat (laughs) i i even without the uh the extra ending in 2011 version Mm -hmm. i love the ending of just like the windshield wipers and just at the black, yeah, like you don't see her character because she froze to death. And well, did she freeze, freeze to death? I, did think she... so. I think so. Well, it that's was like a way we're to in Antarctica, a way to save humanity. Well, and she's not a geologist, she's not a uh scientist out there. She was brought out there as a paleontologist, yeah, like Dr. Grant. She doesn't know where she's going, she's probably just following the North Star, which is not going to lead her anywhere. <laughs> She's like, probably what? out there sent like Jack, you know, Jack Go Torrance. Go back to the burning exactly. camp. Sitting out there with a the flamethrower, just Jack Torrance. <laughs> Evil eyebrow. You know, just um, mean This movie stuff. was supposed to kick off a series. Uh, really? It, yeah, they were going to start a new film series. They were going to play... Actually, after this was made, they were going to have John Carpenter back. Carpenter had a story ready that, with Kurt Russell, that would explain his age as Frostbite. Hmm. And he'd probably die off within the first. Okay, you know, I do remember something minutes. about that about the frostbite. But yeah, they were gonna they were gonna have a sequel to the original to the eighty two thing, yeah. and then go from there. And because this one got fucking raped by the critics, I mean, it had a super strong weekend opening, and then the critics destroyed it, and then nobody went to it, and so it didn't even make its budget back. I think God it was like thirty five million, and they made like twenty seven, twenty eight. It wasn't like I saw in theaters and it wasn't like, yeah, 
Dude, when I went first day, it was packed. I went like a week later and there was like fucking eight people. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. This is a good fucking movie. I mean, it's not great, but when, when I've seen shit ton worse. Well, it's like The Witch right now. I was like, I don't know why people keep turning into it thinking it's going to be something it's not, but people do. I don't see why people keep own. giving their money to Insidious. I yeah. hated the first one. I mean, it was a model. Hot yeah. topic. Hot topic. Buy a button, get a ticket. <laughs> no, right. I, mean, I mean, with with this one, I didn't see this when it came out, and I was put off because of the CGI. When I heard it was C- strict, when I heard it was all CGI, I wrote it off as like, I got the original. I don't need this one. I don't need to see it. I have the original. I'm fine. There's nothing that hits theatrical these days. It's not CGI though. So no. it's like I, I wasn't know. really expecting. Like Thirteen Ghosts was like practical effects, but then when you watch it, you're like. It's like fuck. what you didn't see was Jeff hitting his head on the microphone. I mean, even low ball, like, damn it, low ball Matthew shit Lillard. like Ash vs Evil Dead is CGI heavy. Yeah, we're in the face of guys. We're out of the. It's sad to say, guys like Rob Bottin and Rick Baker are and Tom Savini well, are dying it, breed. Like, like I was mentioning it in my final thoughts is like, if you want to see what the the practical effects look like for the thing 2011, mm-hmm. watch Harbinger Down. How many people lined up to watch Harbinger Down? Nobody you know. knew it was coming out. Yeah. Not even Lynn Hendrickson knew it was coming out. No. It was in the movie. I mean, uh, I watched it just to see what the practical effects were all about, and I was just like, "It's sad to think geniuses of makeup is the lost. It's, it's a lost art, man. It's dying." They're, and what doesn't help is when you have TV shows like Face Off that still have people making really bad makeup. Mm-hmm. Who are doing really bad makeup effects? Really bad special effects. It's because you can't. You have to write. For a special effect, and now it's easier to phone it in as like the way you see it in your imagination. Okay, I can get some guy that can, you know, do that in the computer real fast. Well, it's going to be relegated to pretty much gunshot wounds now, yeah. Yeah. and budget wise, I'm sorry, sucks. it's sorry. Even it's, gunshot wounds are becoming CGI. Yeah. We watched a whole panel about what's his name talk about Sharknado, <laughs> and it was like literally like, wow, they spend X amount of zero budget. But a majority of all that budget is going to those CG fucking effects yeah. that make nothing become something. Yeah. I mean, Rather than having to sit there and actually pay a guy that, like uh, when I funded um, The Void, all the Indiegogo money was specifically for the practical effects. And he went into practical effects production like six to eight months before they even started filming. That lets you know. That's where we are. Like, if you want to fucking fund a film with retro effects, I mean, that's old day shit. You have to have a year of just fucking, let's do camera tests on the fucking effects, lighting tests and all this stuff. Make sure it works. Now we have to put the actor in it. Now we have to shoot it and hope for that fucking good shot that actually comes mm-hmm. off correctly. Well, why don't you tell the listeners about our practical effects and how to fund us? Go on, Aaron. <laughs> Preach the word. Uh, the word of the day is buy a damn shirt. <laughs> That's uh, three words. Pretty much, you can find us. On, <laughs> you can find us on Facebook. Uh, if you go to our Facebook uh, site page, there's a link called Shop. Click that, and that will take you to where our t-shirts, hoodies, phone cases, prints, uh, laptop covers, prosthetics, scarves, prosthetic limbs. Dwarf dicks, third Whoa. thumbs, where all those are at. Uh, every shirt you buy helps us grow. Every shirt you don't Half buy, inch. 
<laughs> Every shirt you don't buy makes us hate you more. So you can go there. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. We are available on iTunes, Podbean. Jeff is poking his eye with a cigarette. And Nate is shaking like a heroin addict. I need a smoke. He needs he needs a smoke. <laughs> so yeah, support us, buy a shirt. We have more things coming in the works that were that uh are currently being done. And I so, tell you what, servers aren't cheap, folks. No, they're not. So uh I'm finding it out the hard way right now. These uh these these shirts don't go to our pockets like greedy little bugs. They they go to the fucking computer to microphones. The money I've that. made off the money I've made off of shirts that Iffy, myself, Ralph have bought barely it, made any kind of dent into the hotel that I use that I got us for Terror Expo. It's I mean, a it's a number three on the McDonald's value bill. It's not, it's not enough for, uh, to keep me off the streets from giving hand jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, scratch that last comment from the record. No, it's so, okay. Daniel Harris is listening. Oh, hey, baby. Oh, god. She, she, she's so wanting to inquire. Fine. She's wanting to inquire. I'll show her my thing. <laughs> That'll so be you, CG too. <laughs> hopefully. So, if you like to find us on the old social net uh, network stuff, we're on yeah. Facebook, we're on Twitter, and we're on Stitcher Radio app and Podbean. I think that's it. Oh, yeah, and Apple iTunes. Listen to us. Please leave us a review. Good, bad. Just leave us something. We, we want to improve. We want to, we want to make the show better for everybody, not only us. For beer. And posters. And slinkies. <laughs> <laughs> so from all of us to all of you, have yourself a merry little Christmas and good night. Keep us here. Just gonna stand there and watch me burn Well, that's alright because I like the way it hurts Just gonna stand there and hear me cry Well, that's alright because I love the way you lie I love the way you lie
listening to Deep in the Horror of Texas. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you like what you hear, please leave a review on the iTunes or Stitcher radio app. And above all, remember to keep it scary.